Well, good morning, and I uh, want to, again, welcome you to Bellingham Covenant Church. If we haven't met, my name's Phil, uh, the lead pastor here, and grateful that we can listen to this word. We're journeying through the book of Ephesians today and find ourselves uh, halfway through chapter 2. <clears throat> There's a, a well joke that you may have heard of about a devout religious man who was stranded by himself on a deserted island. And uh, there are a couple of versions of this joke, and the one I heard this week was a little bit different. Um, as he was rescued, uh, the people that came to his rescue discovered that he had built two different churches on the island, and they were surprised by this because he was there by himself, and when they asked him why he had two churches, he said, well, you need to have one church to belong to and one church to avoid, right? You, you need to have one church that to belong to, another church to disagree with and be frustrated with, right? And so he built two churches. This joke speaks, I think, to a common human problem, that we have a tendency to define ourselves in opposition to others. I think we all live with a fundamental insecurity as human beings, and because of that, we have this tendency to elevate ourselves and uh, look down on those who we disagree with. We belong to our group, and we avoid that group. Now, left unchecked, over time, this dynamic can start to build some walls of division and hostility between us and them, between people groups. And I don't think we need a whole lot of convincing today that this is a problem in our society right now, and it's a problem in our world. It, it feels like over the last few years, the walls of hostility between groups seems to have grown stronger and higher. We've navigated some difficult years socially. We've come through a divisive pandemic. Racial tensions continue to be part of the public dialogue. We've navigated some very tense elections. And all of that has happened on platforms that have disconnected us from one another. So it's happening in social media spaces. We're being formed by a 24-hour news cycle that is deeply entrenched and because of that, these walls of hostility that, that Paul names in this text seem very strong, seem very insurmountable. And the reality is, is that that has filtered into the church experience as well. We have been discipled and formed by these cultural forces. It's just so hard to get away from that. And because of that, I believe that this text in Ephesians 2 is just deeply relevant to our cultural moment right now. In our text today, Paul helps us understand why hostility takes root in our hearts, and he also speaks into how the gospel can begin to break down some of those walls. And that's really how I want to organize our time today. I want to begin by just naming the problem, this reality of hostility that, that we bump up against in our society, but also in our own hearts, and then the solution of the gospel, how a deeper awareness of what Christ has accomplished on the cross can begin to abolish, to break down these barriers that seem so strong in our world. So first, the problem. So in Ephesians 2, Paul is speaking to a specific case study of division and hostility. And in this particular setting, the two people groups that are at odds are the Jews and the Gentiles. In the book of Acts, we read about how the early church expanded its embrace. And for the first time in this culture, there was this radical new formation of a, a community where Jews and Gentiles were figuring out how to live together. This was unprecedented in this culture. We don't realize, I think, how deep the division and dividing lines were between Jew and Gentile. 
Paul is writing this letter from prison, and in Acts 21, we read why he's in prison right now, and it's because he has been falsely accused of having a foreigner, a Gentile, enter the center of the temple, enter the Jewish part of the temple. That's why he's in prison. (laughs) And so that just gives us a window into how tense things were. So in the temple, there was actually a literal dividing wall between Jews and Gentiles. The Gentiles had their outer court, and then there was the court of the women, and then there was the court of the Jewish men, and then in the center was the Holy of Holies, which only the priests could enter once in a while with very specific instructions. And so Paul is engaging this. This is starting to become a little bit tense as they're starting to figure out how to live together in community. The Jewish historian Josephus, who's writing around this era, speaks about this temple, and he says this, the Jewish part of the temple was encompassed by a stone wall for a partition with an inscription which forbade any foreigner to go in under penalty of death. So this gives just a glimpse of how controversial this is that Jews and Gentiles are, are figuring out how to live together. There has been a long-standing wall of hostility, literally, and also just emotionally, spiritually, between these people groups. Now, here's what's important for us to remember, that in the Old Testament, the purpose of the laws that were defining the life of the Jewish people and the purpose of the temple was not to be exclusionary. Now, God did call a people to himself, and he called them to be set apart to live in a very specific way. And we've studied those laws, the the purity laws, the sacrificial system, the purpose of the temple. But right from the get-go in the Old Testament story, we see that the people of God were set apart not to be superior or exclusive, but to actually be a light to the nations. They were to live a different kind of life that would draw other people to God. And in the Old Testament, there was not a partition in the temple between Jews and Gentiles. In fact, in 1 Kings 8, there's this powerful view of of how the, the worship life of Israel in the temple was meant to actually draw foreigners, and they were to welcome them and embrace them as they lived this different kind of life. Now, over time, Somewhere along the line, the religious practice that was meant to be a witness became a source of hostility. Uh, Those who are religious insiders, and we saw the labels, it's like the circumcised versus the uncircumcised, there's these labels. Those who are insiders felt morally superior, and those who are outside became frustrated because you don't want to be on the receiving end of being disdained morally. And so this hostility grew between two people groups, something that was meant to be a good thing. This worship life, these rules for living got twisted into a source of hostility, and that's actually what we see in our text as the source of hostility. And so we read this in verse 15 that Christ was abolishing in his flesh the enmity or his hostility, which is what? Which is the law of commandments contained in the ordinances. These laws, these ordinances who were meant, that were meant to set a people apart to be a beacon of light, somewhere along the line became a source of enmity or hostility. Now, it's important for us to note that Paul is not talking about Christ abolishing the moral law. So, uh, Jesus maintains that in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, I have not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. 
Uh, Paul maintains the ethical vision of the Old Testament of loving God and neighbor. That's going to come up in the second part of Ephesians. But he's speaking to these, these practices, the sacrificial system, this um, purity system that was abolished on the cross. Jesus became the sacrifice of all sacrifices. He removed the requirement of that law and thereby removed what had become a source of enmity and division. This is the heart of God to begin to break down these barriers that had divided people, and it came through the cross. And so this is the case study that Paul is engaging. There is this wall of hostility that has grown between these people groups. But this is just a case study of a broader human reality. Now, we're not dealing with tensions of Jew and Gentile in the church, but there are other walls, partition lines, walls of hostility that are at work in our society, at work in our hearts. It is not now Jew versus Gentile, but it is liberal versus conservative, and it is Republican versus Democrat, and it is evangelical churches versus mainline churches. It is millennials versus boomers, right? There are tension lines sometimes between different ethnic groups. What was just one case study can actually be applied across the board to those areas in our life where we experience hostility between us and them. It's something that I think if we're honest, we all wrestle with in one way or another. There's all in our hearts someone or some group that we tend to despise and look down upon. Here's something that was ironic. I was convicted of some feelings of hostility while I was writing this sermon. <laughs> it's Thursday afternoon. I was just finished this last paragraph, understanding this hostility. I just needed a little break. I started scrolling through YouTube. And I don't know what's up with my algorithm on YouTube. They don't really seem to know what I like. And they don't seem to understand like the nuances of theological differences because some videos came up in my feed from some preachers that I don't particularly respect or agree with. And there were some videos that were being suggested to me with some titles that I thought were some pretty bad toxic theology. Some self-proclaimed prophets that were saying some things that made me a little bit angry. And under my breath, as I was scrolling, I started saying, give me a break. <laughs> How can you be so stupid? How did this video get 200,000 views since last week, right? In my own way, I was saying, I'm glad I belong to my church and not that church. And as I was just getting kind of caught up in some of these negative emotions, the Holy Spirit really convicted me and said, Phil, your Bible is open to Ephesians 2 right now. <laughs> you just wrote a, a section about how we need to break down the, the walls of hostility, and you sound pretty hostile in your heart and mind. Right? This is our story. This is something that we have been shaped and formed by culturally. And we all probably in our own hearts can think of those people, or maybe even those times this week where under our breath we uttered some thoughts that we're pretty hostile towards others. 
as I was reflecting on my own experience, it raised all kinds of questions for me. And maybe it's some questions that you're asking. I started getting a little bit defensive. And so I was responding to the Lord. But, but God, they really are wrong though, right? And so like we should be discerning and, and we need to speak up for what is true. And it got very complicated for me. And maybe that's what some of you are asking right now because the reality is we are passionate about ideas. And there are some people that are teaching some unhealthy things. And there are some boundaries that I think we need around theology and ethics and how we live our lives. And so what do we do with this challenge? What do we do with that anger, with that hostility? Now, to be sure, Paul is not saying in this text that we need to break down barriers of theology, that we need to break down all boundaries around ethics or justice. Paul himself does confront false teachers, sometimes with some pretty strong language himself, right? Theology is important. Paul maintains ethical boundaries to protect vulnerable people. So this isn't the call to a false peace where we just say, whatever, it's all good. No, we have real things that we're concerned about and that we are passionate about. The challenge is that we are called to engage those conversations, not with a spirit of hostility, but with a spirit of love. Paul does not call us to break down the boundaries of theology and ethics, but he does call us to break down the wall of hostility. And this is a strong word in Scripture. It is a word that means hatred. Paul is calling us to engage. Let's have hard conversations. Let's pursue what we believe is good and right and true. But in two chapters, he's going to say how we do that. We need to learn how to speak the truth in love. And the reality is we are being formed to speak the truth in hate. And so Paul is calling us to a new way, to not be formed by the ways of our world, but to be counterformed in the ways of love. Yes, let us engage. Let us work through our differences. Let us have hard conversations. But let us do so remembering that the people that we disagree with are made in the image of God. People that Christ died for. They are your brothers and sisters in Christ. So we are called to a new way, church, to a new way, friends. And I stand with you humbly just needing this formation in my own heart today as well. And the question that I want to engage is how? How can we make that shift? How can there be peace? How can we be formed in a new way to engage a world full of very real problems and people that we disagree with, people that hurt us? What I want to do is just walk through parts of Ephesians 2 and notice Paul's antidote, how the gospel can begin to soften hearts and break down these walls of hostility in our life and in our world. And so we begin by looking at Ephesians 2, 14 to 16, and and this is Paul's antidote, for he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier dividing the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. And in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. There's a lot in this text, and we've noticed that Paul just is full of words, and so we won't capture everything, but I just want us to notice a few things in what Paul is saying. And I believe at the core of this uh, section of Ephesians, Paul is saying that the cross 
as we begin to view people through the lens of the cross, we see them from a different point of view. The cross, in effect, levels the playing field. It requires us to see others as equals. The distinctions are removed. And so when we begin to view those that we disagree with or those that are different, we realize that both they and us have been reconciled to God through the cross. The cross, in effect, humbles us. And it reminds us that all of us, Jew and Gentile, those to the right, those to the left, all of us are saved by grace and not by works so that no one can boast. As we meditate on that, it begins to break down the walls of hostility. Paul goes on to say something interesting in verse 17. He says, he came and he preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. And this is a really interesting statement because he is referring now to both Jew and Gentile. And so the Gentiles were understood to be those who were far from God. And the Jews were those who were near because they had the old covenant. Do you notice in verse 17 that both people need to be reconciled? God has come to make peace with both groups. He is acknowledging that all of us, and both Jew and Gentile, in their own way have been dead in their transgressions, have been following the flesh. And we explored this last week. We explored that we can follow the human nature of the flesh in two ways. One is to act blatantly evil and rebel and to follow the ways of this world. But another way that we can follow the flesh is by trying to live an ethical life apart from God and becoming self-righteous, becoming legalistic. That's why both need to be brought near, even those who think they're near. It's two sides of the same coin. We're all kind of living out of our own self-focused motivation, trying to live apart from God. And what Paul says is we all need grace. We are all saved by grace so that no one can boast. And so when we start to roll our eyes at others, demean others, we need to remember two things. First, that we, too, are sinners in need of grace. And two, that Christ reconciled those that we despise. Christ has come to reconcile those that we disagree with, that we are angry toward. And so in verse 18, Paul concludes saying, For through him both now have access to the Father by one Spirit. Through Christ we are both equally drawn into the presence of God. This is drawing on the language of the temple. We noted that in the Jewish temple there is these four courts. There's the court of Gentile and women and Jewish men and then the Holy of Holies. And in verse 18 what we see now is that we all have access. All those barriers are removed and we're all drawn in to the Holy of Holies. And so because Christ has done that to those we despise, we humble ourselves and we see one another from a different point of view and we see ourselves from a different point of view. I want to leave you with a a really practical way that we can begin to do this work of softening our hearts towards our enemies, to work through this process of softening the hostility that, that takes root in our hearts. At a very practical level, I think something that can can begin to do this work is to enter into God's love for our enemies. 
You might think of someone that you are struggling to make room for. You might think of that person that you are rolling your eyes at or that you have hostile feelings to. I would encourage you this week to read that person into the Scripture texts that speak of the lavish grace of God. I've seen this do powerful work in marriages and relationships where there is tension. I did some of this work in my own heart today as I began to just think of some of those people that I disagree with or that I roll my eyes towards and just meditate and put them in the scriptures. And so we might put them into Psalm 139 and remember that that person that I despise was knit together in their mother's womb, fearfully and wonderfully made. We might put that person or that group in the first part of Ephesians, Ephesians 1, 3 to 14, which we spent the first couple weeks on, and remember that Christ adopted them and redeemed them and lavished grace upon them and chose them. Meditate on that. See what happens to your heart towards those that you are hostile towards, those that you disagree with. Now, again, this isn't a call to disengage from disagreement or have important boundaries or put up with terrible things, but it calls us to work through and see a bigger picture that there's a God who who desires to redeem those people that we struggle with. He wants to remove the, the weight of bitterness that weighs us down and begin to form us in a new kind of people. And there are all kinds of implications when we live into this new reality. There's implications for us personally. There's implications for relationships that are strained. There's there's implications, there's possibilities for church communities to continue to live together in the midst of diversity and disagreement. This is one of the visions of the covenant church, that we would hold room for one another in the midst of our disagreement. And even when we disagree, we will do so with a spirit of charity, with a spirit of humility and love. We're not going to give up having hard conversations, but we're going to see one another as people beloved by Christ. That is our call. It has the potential to transform relationships, transform churches. But there's now another layer that I believe is in view here, and I want to end with this. You see, Paul's desire is that as we figure this out, as a church, how to live in unity in the midst of our diversity, we are then a beacon of light and hope to a world that is overcome with hostility. Instead of us being formed by culture, we are called to show a new way to those around us. There is a missional component to the end of this text. Paul makes an interesting shift in this metaphor of the temple, and so we saw in verse 18 that through what Christ has done, we are all drawn into the center, into the holy of holies. But then in verse 21, and this is meant to say uh, 21, not 18, he says then of these, this diverse people that are being redeemed and reconciled, in him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And so not only do we have access to the center of the temple, somehow, miraculously, God is forming this diverse group to become the temple. Now, here's something interesting about this word that I underlined, temple. There are two words in the New Testament for temple. One is for the whole temple with all four courts, and there's one word that's just for the holy of holies, and that's the word used here. It's breathtaking that God says, I'm going to take these redeemed, broken people, I'm going to We'll save them, I'm going to reconcile them, and then they will become the holy of holies. 
What this means is that we are formed to become a people that represent to the world the holiness of God, the beauty of God. Christ dwells with us. In the Jewish culture, the temple was the center of society. Everything centered around that. Now Paul is saying that this new community that's being formed, this new humanity is going to be built into this holy of holies that will then reveal to a broken world, a divided world, a new way to live. We will reveal a new way to be a human nature. Our unity is meant to be a light to a world that is divided around us. Where else will there be an end to hostility? This is our calling, people. Not to be formed by the world, but to transform the world by living in a new way. This is how Jesus prayed right before he was arrested. This was his final prayer for us who would be his disciples. In John 17, he prays that we might be one just as he and the Father are one, that we might be united even in the midst of our diversity and our disagreements. May they be brought to complete unity. Why? To let the world know that you sent me and have loved me and love them even as you have loved me. As we figure this out, as we learn to live as a new kind of community that loves one another, that seeks to reconcile one another, that learns to speak the truth in love, the world might know a different way. They might see the good news of the gospel. We might become this new temple, this holy of holies that depicts a beautiful vision to our world. So there's a lot at stake in this conversation. <laughs> And my prayer is that we would today begin to experience some of those walls of hostility in our hearts being brought down between us and others, that we might grow in this practice of reconciliation for our own sake, for the sake of our community here in Bellingham, but also for a watching world. And for that, we need God's help. We rest in the hope that God is the one that is breaking down these walls. We simply just need to have our eyes open to this new reality, to begin to view one another from a new point of view, from the point of view of the gospel, from the point of view of a God who died for those that we struggle to love. So I want to call us now to a time of response and prayer. And once a month at BCC, we create some extra time to respond to the word, to have time for prayer invite our worship team to come forward, and we're going to pray in a moment. But in this time, we're going to have some time to sing and to pray, but there's also an opportunity to come forward for prayer. I'm going to be over at the station. Janet will be here. If you are seeking prayer for yourself or someone else, if you are dealing with some physical challenges, some relational challenges, or whatever you're carrying today, just know that we want to pray for you and pray with you. We would invite movement in the room if you want to reach out to someone, to embrace someone, to reconcile with someone, to pray. Let us uh, now not just reflect on this text, but live into this text, trusting that God is in our midst, God desiring to break down those walls, to do some healing, reconciling work in our hearts. So would you join me in worship? I'm going to begin with a word of prayer. God, I pray that you would might meet us powerfully in this place. We believe that you are a living God. These aren't dead, ancient words, but God-breathed living words. Lord, would you bring about what, whatever you need to do to heal, to restore, to reconcile us today as we respond to you now, as we come to you in worship. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.